0: it's been a wild week we have got so many announcements that we've got to get through it's finally here it's time to talk about e3 again i is mean today it... is the official uh, official opening day one is happening right now as we're recording this it probably just ended a couple hours ago you know can, can you believe all that news we got can you believe the the xbox series x news that playstation 5 news <laughs> nintendo did something can you believe Square's press conference? It's Ugh. wild, Ugh. wild. I can't believe they did that. Ugh. <laughs> uh, yeah, of course. There's no E3. No, nope. but that's what we'd be talking about around this time if
1: if
2: we had a 3
0: If the world resembled the normalcy of last year, <laughs> it's
2: bad when last
0: year looks normal. Uy. But yeah, of course that that's not happening. So, um. I think, like, we're like as the the months progress over the summer, and we get like all those big announcements. We'll probably just, like have a little chit chat about stuff as they happen.
2: Yeah, that's what I figure.
0: Because like next week, we'll probably talk a little bit about the PS five news mm-hmm. and whatever else. Specifically, probably also the fact that a certain JRPG is getting ported to the personal computer, mm-hmm. so people can enjoy Homophobia for the first time on the personal computer.
2: That's true. Oh, for the first time, really? Wait.
0: <laughs> no, the first time ever.
2: <laughs> uh, have you been on a personal computer?
0: <laughs> uh, but for now, we're instead going to talk about a rather large game.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Was this announced last year at E3 as being made? Uh, no, it was announced in September. It was announced during, like, I think, that, that September direct last year. That was bonkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like I think that's the one that had uh the Tokyo Mara Sessions re release. Terry. The Terry Bogard officially announced the Deadly Premonition 2 trailer. Yep. <laughs> like God. I went back and watched some of that that direct a little bit ago and it's it's still bonkers. <laughs> but yeah, this is the thing I think they ended with and you were like, wow
2: Except yeah. not that
0: not that subdued.
2: No, it wasn't that subdued.
0: It was more just like I can't get that more I can't get that shrill, so shrill shrill.
2: Um, yeah, it's it's hard work being high pitched screeching.
0: It's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna talk about a a long game mm-hmm. that's been re released for the second time,
2: mm-hmm. and a side story,
0: and a new and a new addition to it. Uh, that is Dental Blade Chronicles. Mm-hmm. The game that originally came out on the Wii. Oh, by the way, this is a uh, this is a podcast where we talk about video games, anime, manga. It's the season. Let me check. up OVA. It's episode 183, I think. I think
2: it's
0: 183. Uh, what is yes. it? Okay. 83. Uh, I'm Jared. That's Doc and Ladium. Hello. Hello. Oh, I forgot to, to set us up there. You're good. Uh, yes. Zelda Chronicles. It's a game that came out like ten years ago.
2: <laughs> yeah, it uh, came out in Japan in 2010.
0: Uh, tomorrow is the the literal ten year anniversary of this game coming out in Japan, so oh. as we're recording this, so it'd be this past Wednesday.
2: Holy moly! Uh,
0: it came out in on June tenth, twenty ten, for the Wii in Japan. August nineteenth, twenty eleven, for European regions. August first, sep- or September first, excuse me, twenty eleven, in Australia, and April sixth, twenty twelve, in North America, which is a weird thing.
2: Well, it was after it wasn't going to be localized here.
0: That's but still, like even in twenty ten, that seems bizarre. Which thing? That it would that they would localize it for like Europe and Australia but but then wait even longer for it to come out over here.
2: Yeah, I mean what what was the op called? It was like Operation like something uh, to do with rain, maybe?
0: Excuse me, hang on. I saw it in here a little bit ago. Operation Rainfall.
2: I was right. Um so Operation Rainfall was trying to get um this, the last story, and um another Wii game. Released in the US because they had been released in Europe, but not here.
0: Right. But like, it just doesn't. uh, Pandora's Tower is the other game. Thank you. Um, Like, I don't even understand why you wouldn't just do the business if you've already localized it into the language that people in North America speak. Like, I don't see how that would be that huge of an undertaking to put it out over here in 2010.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it was wild. in 2011,
0: 2012, basically. But yeah, that's, that's. bonkers it was I think thing. I think I heard that was the reason why it has like the more like European style of voice acting or, like sounding voice acting is because they didn't want to localize or redub it I guess for North America
2: yeah that's why they all have like versions of like British accents
0: it's still like it's weird very yeah. weird. yeah uh, it was then re-released five years later for the new Nintendo 3DS. Mm-hmm. One of the like one of like the five games that took that took that like that piece of hardware's you know uh, the newness of it and actually benefited from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out in Japan on April 2nd, 2015. PAL regions also on April 2nd, 2015, and then in North America on April 10th, 2015, and then finally another five years later comes to the Switch on May 29th, 2020, worldwide. Mm-hmm a weird it's weird. <laughs> you have played every version of this game that's come out.
2: Every version of it. So I've actually followed um Operation Rainfall and was like really really dying to play this game. So when it finally got announced that it was going to come over um it was a GameStop exclusive so I had to get it from there.
0: Even more weird.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was very, very odd, but, um, so I got off of there, and I had the art book that came with it and everything, and I, my first go-through, I played it for, like, 140 hours, and mm-hmm. I loved it, um, I the did, way, so I ahead. didn't
0: mean to cut you off, but, like, the way that, like, this came out over here, it, it seems like it was, like, some weird indie game that came out, right? not, like, a Nintendo-backed huge thing.
2: It's so weird, right?
0: Like, it's bizarre. Um, let me ask you this, because you, you said you were very into, the, like, the whole the thing about getting this over here and everything. Were you a big fan of the previous, like, Zeno games then? Before this? Or was it just, like, something about this that made you be like, oh, I want to play this?
2: No, I had played them. Um, I wasn't, like, huge, huge into them. But um, what were the ones that were on PS2? Uh, Saga.
0: Saga. And then Zeno Gears was on PS1.
2: I didn't, I didn't play Xenogears until later, but mm-hmm. Saga I did play and I was like, I really like these. And so this was coming out and I was like, mm,
3: Okay.
2: um, but also just, it looked really, really cool. Okay. So I liked the idea. Uh,
0: I don't know if we talked about this when it came out, um, but the new 3DS version mm-hmm. What was, like, the big... Was there any big changes to that version compared to, like, how this new... The Switch version is, like, a you know, upgrades all, like, the visuals and everything. and no. As a bunch of quality of life stuff. It's basically just the Wii version on the 3DS. Yes. Okay. Because I couldn't remember if there was actually anything they did to that or not.
2: Um, Not that I remember, because...
0: Let me see if this says anything about that.
2: Like, this was an overhauled version, essentially.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, buh, 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 buh. So they 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 did a thing where they moved on-screen information to the second screen. Obviously, mm-hmm. um, they had to do some funky stuff to maintain the frame rate. Apparently, and I guess like a, the big problem was getting the scale of the game down to small.
2: <laughs> down to small. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there wasn't anything that was, like, really changed. And so, like, this one really changed a lot.
0: Let me read you this this last tidbit about why they put it on the 3DS. Okay. The reason given for porting the game to the new 3DS rather than the Wii U home console was that the length of the game could be intimidating for the modern gamer who is who is becoming more used to on-the-go quick gaming sessions. <laughs> Which I don't think makes any sense at all. No. So- Especially, like, I, to be fair, we're going to talk about this later, but, like, I can't imagine playing this game, this game of all games, on a handheld. I did. For a hundred hours.
2: I did.
0: Like, that sounds insane.
2: Some have said that about me.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> but, but, I mean, they, they put that game on the 3DS, even though it was, like, like I said, like, one of five games that, like, took advantage of the new 3DS hardware. Mm hmm. And it was it was also like a new 3ds exclusive because mm-hmm. you cannot play it on the older systems. Because nope. God, that was that was dumb. The new 3ds, the 3ds, a fantastic console. New 3ds, stupid, <laughs> absolutely stupid. <laughs> uh, anyways, let's talk a little bit about the development about this game because there's a lot because there's a lot of paragraphs about this.
2: All right, cool, let's do it.
0: Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles was developed by Japanese development company Monolith Soft, with Tetsuya Takahashi forming the original concept and serving as the game's executive director, director. Takahashi had previously worked in the 1990s on Xenogears then on the Xenosaga trilogy after founding Monolith Soft in 1999 um because Xenogears was a square game right yes mm-hmm. yes
2: yeah it was supposed to be Final Fantasy 7
0: <laughs> huh
2: I'm not joking it was that I'm, I'm was... not
0: saying you aren't just, that's the weird thing
2: it was originally supposed to be five ways seven. They're like, actually, let's make that its own thing.
0: Zenosaga was intended to be a six-part series, but low commercial performances forced the planned Zenosaga series to be hal- halved. Excuse me. After these events, the entire development team was in a state of low morale. The initial concept for Zenobley Chronicles of people living on the bodies of gigantic gods came to Takahashi in June 2006. Struck by his idea, he immediately committed it to paper and showed the draft to other senior staff who were favorably impressed. One of them, an executive called executive called executive named. that's probably the better way to put that mm-hmm. uh Yasuyuki han thought it would be a good it would make a good 3d model and brought materials to create it construction began in july during during this period younger staff acted as models so that takahashi could establish which p- parts of the god's bodies could be used as habitable and navigable environments in various poses that's cool uh we need you to come over here and just do this hold this pose for three hours
2: Well, i'm looking at the picture of this thing and that's wild
0: yeah Uh, After the model's construction, Takahashi decided to combine the model's concept with an unrelated story idea, which became the basis for a new game after positive feedback from staff. Takahashi later said that one of the main reasons for developing the game was to bolster team morale after the commercial failure of the Zenosaga games. The team first showed their proposal to Nintendo prior to the first development stages of Disaster Day of Crisis. Uh, Development began over four years prior to its release, with the first prototypes for the game being developed in April 2007. It was at this point that co-director genki yokota was brought in by nintendo to handle any system related issues due to his previous experience with rpgs after being contacted or contracted regarding both xenoblade chronicles and fellow wii jrpg the last story head of nintendo's licensing department shinji hatano said that the game games should be made for a wide audience and using a romanticist approach takahashi was involved in every aspect of the game's development from its initial concept to the debugging stage at the beginning of the development, the game was said to be a standalone title unrelated to the Zeno series, bearing the title Monado, The Beginning of the World.
3: Mm-hmm. Later, that. Than,
0: <laughs> that's a funky name. Later, than Nintendo president Satoru Iwata had the title changed to its current one to honor both Takahashi's previous titles and the effort he was investing in Xenoblade Chronicles. According to Takahashi, the Zeno designation was more along the lines of a symbol, calling back to the previous works of Monolith Soft. When describing the title's meaning... Takashi described Zeno as meaning different nature or uniqueness, while the blade part was closely tied to the narrative, particularly the game's ending. A key element of the game for Takashi was creating an ideal balance between gameplay and stories, something that he felt was lacking in other JRPGs, which focused too much on story. Takashi's previous experiences with the Zeno Saga games and Boten Kato's Eternal Wings in the Lost Ocean, which had been called out for being old-fashioned when compared to other RPGs of the day, influenced his work in this regard. The mechanic of stroke getting glimpses of the future became the foundation of the entire battle system. Takashi briefly experimented with a turn-based system that incorporated the future, but it did not work out. In a separate issue, Takashi decided against a transition between the environment and battle areas he felt as such a transition would negatively inf- interrupt the flow of gameplay. Good call. The game, the game features a fully open world which was described by Takashi as overwhelming like an, like an MMORPG, describing the world size as being roughly equivalent to the Japanese archipelago. The scale of the world was derived from Takashi's wish to showcase the grandeur of the experience. In addition to this, the number and length of cutscenes was cut down significantly from those present in the Xenosaga games. <laughs> with Takashi considering such a development method as having become a dead end. The wish for an expansive world also became tied up with the wish to reward players for exploration, which entailed the creation creating of huge amount of content creation such as items and accessories. The gameplay was influenced both by previous Japanese RPGs and Western RPGs. When the team ran into difficulties, Takashi went to Nintendo in a deflated state to suggest numerous means of meeting the game's projected d- deadline. Yamagami rejected all of Takashi's proposals and instead insisted the team persist with their vision, saying he would persuade Nintendo to continue supporting them.
2: It's a weird way to end the development. Uh, it is.
0: <laughs> I like how he's like, oh, I wanted to make a new JRPG kind of battle. It's like, dog, you were just influenced by MMOs. Just say that. Yep, yep. That's it.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you don't have to sugarcoat it. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about these scenario? Some more paragraphs?
2: Okay. Wait, are we talking about easy. the story or is this something different?
0: This is the scenario. It's in the development. So probably the story. Not the plot, but like how they came up with oh, okay. the story and stuff. Uh, the scenario is created by Takahashi Yuichiro Takeda and Yuri Hatori. Takahashi was responsible for creating the main concept, but as he was going to be director and executive producer, he was unable to take on full script writing duty, so he asked Takeda to be his partner in creating the scenario. Takeda was a writer for anime who had previously collaborated with Takahashi on adaptations of, his, of the first Zenosaga game, in addition to writing the script for Saga 1-2, the Nintendo DS remake of Zenosaga, and its sequel. Takahashi deliberately chose someone outside the video game industry as he wanted a different perspective on the story's pacing Ugh. hattori was brought in during the early development <laughs> stages to do her experience okay? with scenarios for nintendo games yeah which enabled her to look at takahashi and takeda's scenario from an, object, an objective viewpoint a key element in the scenario is a contrasting series of scale which Takashi described as a contrasting the realms of the micro and macro while the main story themes were characters embarking on a great and evolving journey and overcoming a predetermined future Despite multiple fantasy elements, Zenobly Chronicles is based within a science fiction premise, although such elements were kept low-key during the first part of the game.
2: Not Mm -hmm. low-key. Low-key.
0: Despite their earlier work together, it was the first time Takahashi and Takeda were so intimately involved in the project. Takeda found working on the project more difficult than he initially anticipated. His standard writing form was for the anime series format, which was limited to 20 to 25-minute episodes. With Chronicles, the volume of story and writing was much larger and offered more freedom for dramatic expression. Conversely, his previous experience enabled Takahashi to easily plan the structure and scheduling for the game. During the initial writing stages, Takahashi did, did not give precise instructions to Takeda. He instead gave a rough outline that they would work worked on together. Then they passed the developing, developing script between themselves, along with producers Shingo Kawabata and Ko Kojima, to iron out rough elements. Takahashi compared it to playing a game of catch, something he was unused he was unused to doing for his game scenarios. The ending underwent revisions. While Takahashi and Takeda felt that they had created a fairly explan- explanatory ending, Hatori still felt unsatisfied. After a second look, Takahashi and Takeda realized that it would appear perplex- perplexing for someone outside the writing process, so they rewrote it to be more player-friendly. The final script contained a large amount of dialogue. The sheer volume, which included dialogue spoken in battle, made for a difficult experience while recording. Due to all this effort, Takahashi was was emphatic that as much of it as possible be used although he sometimes felt that there was too much in the end some dialogue needed because as testers felt that the characters talked too much takahashi's overall writing style was made deliberately more mature and subdued than the other games within the genre one of the elements that was of great concern to both takahashi and takeda was the main protagonist shulk Takahashi had noticed in the majority of RPGs the main protagonist was too easily was all too easily disliked even if other characters became fan favorites. Consequently, one of the main priorities was to make Shulk as appealing as possible to players. During this process, it was suggested that Shulk be a silent protagonist, but there was a general wish from the staff for him to speak. In addition to this, Takahashi needed to confront the problem faced in any RPG with voice characters, which was developing them developing them suitably and writing appropriate dialogue between them. The companion character Ricky was cited by Takeda as a favorite of his. Obviously so. On paper, Riki sounded like an unlikable character, but his voice and appearance acted as a counterbalance to his remarks. One of the scenes where Hatori had input was a scene between Shulk and Fiora, which showcased their connection. The original scene had Shulk touching Fiora's cheek, which Hatori felt would look creepy coming out of the blue. The scene was altered, so Shulk touched her hand instead. One of one of the early concepts Takeda suggested was that the main protagonist's party would betray them and become the final boss, but Takahashi rejected this idea as he felt it would run counter to the player experience. or Expectation. During the course of of its development, the story underwent so many revisions that Takashi forgot what his original concept was, although the basic framework remained intact (laughs) throughout. I find that kind of interesting, at least like that last part, because they talk about how they don't want Shulk to be like kind of like unlikable. Mm -hmm. But I feel like him being in Smash has made him like somewhat unlikable by people. Just because I don't know, like for some reason people just like look at him as just, oh, he's the Smash guy now. Mm-hmm. And not seem has like, from where his actual game is. Yeah. So I think that's rather interesting.
2: I love Shulk.
0: You do love Shulk.
2: He's so good. What a good boy.
0: Also, it's funny how they they, they talk about how the people, the characters talk too much. And it's like, they still kind of talk a lot. <laughs> I like it. Especially in battle.
2: I like it.
0: Uh, let's talk about music here for a little bit. Okay. Uh, the original score for Xenoblade Chronicles was composed by Manami Kyoto. Ace Plus, a musical production group composed of Tomori Kudo, Hi- Hiroyo Chiko Yamanaka, and Kenji Hiromatsu, and Yoko Shimamura. As with other parts of development, Takashi was deeply involved, consist- constantly rejecting pieces due to what he felt was not fitting for the game. He admitted that was due to early samples that he had given the team for his vision for the music, which they had followed too faithfully for his liking. At Takashi's request, Nobu- Nobuo Uematsu's record label Dog Ear Records assisted with production. Which I think is obviously probably a thing as well, because, like, one of the dudes from Ace Plus is in Uematsu's band. hmm So, like, that's just an easy connection you can make. Yeah. Uh, the music t- team was led by Shimamura, who was initially very confused by the odd naming of tracks, along with getting the opportunity of using sounds not normally used in co- compositions in her other projects, such as Electric Guitars.
1: Yeah!
0: Kyoto only had only previously done superficial work on video, video game titles. She accepted Dog Ear Records' offer for her to compose music. Ace Plus was recommended to Takahashi by Dog Ear Records. Uh, Kyoto handled environmental tracks while Ace Plus was in charge of battle tracks in addition to other musical pieces. The team's main goal was to create music that went beyond the typical sound of RPGs. In hindsight, Yamanaka attributed the harmony of the six composers' works to Takahashi's organization and overall direction. The final score contained around 90 tracks. One of the hardest tracks for Shimomura was a 9-minute track that Takahashi requested to match with a movie scene. Later, he said that the track needed to change midway through, essentially necessitating the creation of two conjoined themes. The majority of the game's music was written by Kyoto and Ace Plus, with Shimomura writing eleven tracks, and they recorded someplace. <laughs> mm. Uh, blah, 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 blah. yeah, they they did an end theme and they put out a soundtrack. There you go. It's real good. And then, of course, like they have done, like um, they redid like kind of like they rearranged some of the music for the the new the definitive edition. Which, Which some of are, the
2: rearrangements are really good.
0: Yeah, that, that stuff's really good. Like I was surprised like I was like I'll try this out and see how this cuz I know some of the music from this game. And I was like this is pretty good.
2: It's real good. They did a very good job with the uh, the remixing of it.
3: Mhm.
0: So yeah. So don't play Chronicles good it is a long game
2: it is a long game um, as I previously mentioned I put like 140 hours in the first time I've played I probably put around that in the 3DS version these are not including the new game pluses that I did by the way these are mm. just first run throughs I've done new game pluses on Wii and I've done two on the Wii and then one on the 3DS um, which doing new game plus it goes a lot faster because you're like stupidly powered um but anyway I put Uh, a lot of time into this game
0: (laughs) yes one tidbit I want to mention because we talked about the weirdness of how this game initially was released Mm -hmm. um so it never charted in the US because NPD basically excluded it because it was a retail exclusive Mm -hmm. however someone from an investment banking firm said that it was probably one of the best selling games in the US during April
2: 2012 nice
0: when it came out uh basically selling as well alongside of games like Mass Effect 3. Nice. And then also apparently in a later interview um, it was made mention that the game sold much better in the West than it did in Japan. Which makes all of the weirdness around the release all the more baffling.
2: Yep. Yep.
0: Like, it's like why It's, it's it, like obviously in hindsight it's just like why would they do that but like now it's just like I mean back then they probably they they probably didn't know they're like i don't know this jrpg this is gonna (laughs) really sell on the wii the the console obviously that sold gangbusters in the u.s Mm -hmm. but because of like you know families and everything but then they they sell it at gamestop of all places and it still is like selling as much as a game as a huge game like mass effect 3 which is being sold everywhere Mm -hmm. that's outlandish well-deserved It's very ridiculous. Um <laughs> so yeah. Oh man, I didn't realize all the stuff that's in the the uh there's a on the stage in Smash. Oh Ricky, he's a an assist trophy. I wanna get I wanna play Smash just to play as Ricky. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my god.
0: Also, it's weird to think that like they put Xenoblade stuff in Project Cross Zone two, mm-hmm. which is a f- absolute bonkers game but the character they put in it was Fiora yeah and that's it yeah well they put metal face as well but like that's not who I would have expected nope. I mean I, maybe I expect her as like oh it's Chulk and her but not just her yeah huh anyways let's talk about this game oh uh, one person beat this game one yep. person didn't beat this game
1: <laughs> yep yep
0: uh yeah So, previously, we have talked about Xenoblade Chronicles 2, the sequel to this game. We'll get into that, obviously. Mm -hmm. But that was a game I didn't come away from really being all that high on. I loved it. You did. I was more just like, um. we played Torna after that because that came Mm -hmm. out later. Torna is great love that too. Fantastic. Uh, sometime around, I don't know, I remember when, but you were like, hey, you should play Play Chronicles. And I played some of it and then kind of bounced off of it. Yep. And I thought, maybe this new definitive version is going to be the key to me playing this game finally. Like, I, I can devote time to it, because what else is coming out now? Right. Um, you know, I can, you know, play it and everything, see what all the fuss is about, and
2: ...why Al loves this game so much. Yeah, why Al is
0: so so high on this video game. Uh Uh-huh. Well, about that. (laughs) So I got about halfway through, which halfway in this game is like 40 hours.
1: Yep.
0: Which is a lot. And I think it kind of just ran into the same problems that I had with 2. Where, like, I'm just not a big fan of this combat system. And, like, in long stretches, specifically... Um, like, I just, just, I just get kind of bored of it, because it's just a lot of just doing the same thing, repeatedly, repeatedly, um, the game's just long, too long. It is, it is a long It is long for the sake of being long. Um, and I think that brings up a lot of just, like, pacing issues that this game has, where, like, you will have, like, big story beats, and then it'll be like, okay, well, you're gonna go, like, seven hours without seeing any story, because you're gonna be doing side quests and all this stuff which I think would work better if I liked the side quest as they are but Indeed. a lot of them but a lot of them I think are just like weird just like fetch quests or just like hey, go kill this monster like a lot of them are just very just like we're just gonna repeat this because you're in a new area type mm-hmm. of thing because we need you to go out and explore everything right and just like that gets old real quick and like some of the other like there's obviously like kind of like there's some like character stuff in there but like I just I didn't find any of the other, like, side quests that featured, like, characters or anything real interesting.
2: I'm the exact opposite. Like, the ones with the named characters, I think, are really, really interesting. And to see how they progress throughout the game and, like, what kinds of relationships form and, like, what's coming about because of these quests, I think it's really, really cool. Um, And it reminds me in a way of um, the way that, like, the Trails games do that, like, NPCs actually matter um and you can interact with them and learn like what what's going on in their lives it's pretty like i think that's really neat that there was that time put into making these characters actually feel like they're like living a life and that they have something important that's going on
0: but what if um, the content surrounding them was good as well
2: it is <laughs> uh, i, I mean, would I, disagree I, with that i think that you disagree, but I think that it's really good. Like, I think the characters are good. I think that a lot of the questing is really, really fun. Um, I enjoy it quite a bit. And I mean, as you said, it's really inspired by an MMO. And like, a lot of those types of quests are MMO-ish.
0: Yes, but like, like I feel like if you're, like, for example, I've played a lot of a game called Final Fantasy Fourteen. Mm-hmm. A game that is full of side quests. Right. Let me tell you. But I feel like there's, like, the the level of writing and just, like, things that you do in those side quests in 14 are just so much better than what you get here. Like, I'm way more invested in, like, what those are and everything, whereas here I was just, like, I'm just doing this just to get the experience. That's it.
2: That's a bummer, because there's some really cool side quests and some plot lines through them that I enjoy quite a bit. I mean, it's not like they didn't put any effort into it at all.
0: I mean, they, I'm sure they did, but like, it, it just, none of it hit for me.
2: And that's fine. I mean, like, it's not for everybody, but it, it's yeah. not that they didn't do it. Like, it, Which I, that's
0: not what I'm not saying that. Just, yeah. I, just the writing of it. And then like the, what you had to do, just none of it worked for me. Um, and then, Well, oh gosh, Um, I think that kind of just like bled into just like, God, this game's long. It is too long. I, it is, think, I think I think it just, it does not work as, like, you have to do, like, all these side quests just to do story, which you don't have to, You don't say. have to. It, it it helps you with, like, if you want to be, like, leveled to a certain degree, but, like, mm-hmm. it's a lot. The it's side so quests much. are
2: not required. They're and- not,
0: they're not, they're not. But, like, the, the way I would play this game is I do not want to have to deal with, like, grinding. Mm-hmm. And this is a way to supplement the grinding. It right. would be either do do those all those side quests or grind, and I would definitely want to do those side quests instead. But like, even then, just like, I feel like you could have just like lessened the amount of side quests that you have to do, or that that are at least offered to you, um, and that would probably alleviate a lot of this. Um, but it just it makes the pacing of the game just slow to a crawl, and like that was just a huge bummer. Uh, and it basically just like it really just burnt me out on playing this game.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't agree though. Um because like one of the great things about this game is the exploration element of it. And that includes like exploring the places where you are, like in terms of going to new new cities and meeting the people. Like that, what that is a form of. You could of
0: explore point. and you could move faster. You can. Quick Barely stuff. move faster. That that doesn't do a whole lot. It do, like it minutely raises your movement speed. Like you move so slow, and these areas are so huge. Like it takes so long just to get from point A to point B. Like at some point, if you're if you're basically aping all like MMO stuff to create this game, because essentially that's what they're doing, making a single player MMO. Mm-hmm. Why can you not have a mount to make movement speed a little bit better?
2: What would the mount be?
0: I don't know. What are those like weird um, the thingies that were in the epilogue that the one town had that they're like that they turned bad because they got the stuff happened to them.
2: The thingies in the epilogue. They were
0: like four-legged little monsters but then they were tamed by the village and they were helping out.
2: The Armos?
0: Yeah those. You could just have like one of those. You could ride on it. Hop on, everyone. Let's go ride. <laughs> Get you a bird or something. I don't know. Like, I feel like that would just, it would definitely just be a, alleviate a, a problem that can easily come up. It's just like, God, you're just moving so slow. And I don't want to move so slow. It's, it's, it's frustrating how slow you move in that game.
2: There are actually times that I had to take off my quick steps because I had to move like very slowly to get through like certain terrain. Um And like, that's pretty cool to me that like it's something they incorporated that if you're going too fast, like you're going to run off of a mountain and you probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> um But yeah, I, I, I really enjoy just like walking around and exploring, so
0: you see that mountain you can go there.
2: I mean yeah It'll take
0: you a half hour to get there.
2: I mean it would take you a while to get to anything in Breath of the Wild too. Mm,
0: I feel no well you have mounts in Breath of the Wild. You can alleviate that problem.
2: Yeah, you can get a horse, but
0: Exactly. Problem solved. You can get a horse.
2: Right, but like Trails of Cool
0: Steel, you could wear you could ride a horse and those areas aren't that big.
2: How would you use a horse on like air at sea? You get a boat. <laughs> you would have to have like,
0: or just you get a flying mount.
2: Area specific mounts in every single place.
0: Yeah, just have like a person out there is like, hey, do you wanna do you wanna rent a mount? Or like you do a quest and it gives you like a pass to get a mount anytime you want. Problem solved. Or eventually you just get area specific. Like, specific mounts are like, oh, here's one for places that have a lot of ground terrain. Here's one if you're up in, like, Air-Sea and you have to, like, maneuver around kind of, like, those kind of places. Like, I don't think that's that hard of a thing to implement. And I don't think it would, like, break the game in any sort of way. It would just make maneuverability a much less of a burden than what it currently is.
2: Yeah, I don't have that issue, though. Like, I...
0: You've also played this game for 300 hours. I think you would be used to it by now.
2: Right, like... But even the first time I played it I was like this is amazing like it's it's I could just walk around and do whatever I want and I I liked being able to like explore and find like the secret areas and um like usually what I would do is walk around a place before I'd even like go and do any kind of main story flag because I just wanted to see what was all there also what should I avoid cuz there's like level 80 plus enemies around
0: <laughs> see I don't I I think those are just annoying than anything. Like, I don't understand the point of having those in there.
2: I mean, it makes sense because it's, for one, a challenge, but two, like, there are areas you're not supposed to be in until
0: later. Yes, you, yes, that is true. But then you don't have to, like, have, here's this level 90 monster walking around the the, the main area you need to run around just to be an a- <laughs> There's no fun in that. It's just annoying. And it's just like, oh, I got to... Plot my path around, do a weird run around, and do this figure eight because I gotta avoid this dumb thing that's here for no reason at but, all.
2: But it led to my hilarious nemesis situation. That's the only
0: good thing that comes out of those.
2: It led to that. It led that's to the that. Only moment. good time. <laughs> um, but it's also really satisfying to me that I can like go back and like destroy them later, and that that's super fun for me.
0: But how like, many people are actually going to grind up and do that? Do you think?
2: I mean, a lot of them you could do, like, just by going through the story. Like, you're not going to do the level 99 guys without grinding. Through That's what I'm saying. Time. Like,
0: what then what's the point of having them there? If, like, you're only just doing that for, like, a small percentage of the player base.
2: I mean, you could say the same thing for super bosses in any RPG.
0: What if you just included super bosses in this instead?
2: There are super bosses in this.
0: And just hide them somewhere not just in the main in the main plot point or not the plot point but the main area you're going through.
2: There are I think four or five super bosses that are over level 100.
0: That's too much.
2: They're fun. They're fun to to challenge. But um you know you, you got to know what you're doing. Otherwise, you're gonna get wrecked.
0: Obviously. Um, um,
2: but yeah, it, it it gives you something to like think of as a challenge of like, hey, I want to go back to that area, and that guy is level seventy five. Maybe if I come back, one of seventy five, I can see what all's in there, and like that's that's exciting for me.
0: Not for me. Not for me. I okay. So like, I think moral of the story. I got halfway through, and I was like, hey, how much longer do I have in this game? And you're like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta go to this place, 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 this place. And I was like, that's another 40 to 50 hours, isn't it? And you're probably you're like, yeah. And I was like, nope, I'm good. I'm good. I'm done. Uh, this game's long for the sake of being long. It is a problem that just RPGs have in general. Like, this is the same problem Persona 5 had. This is the same problem Danganronpa V3 had. Like, You don't have to make a game just extraordinarily long just to pad things out for the player to play it for a long period of time. Um, And I think with the amount of story that's in there, like, there's 10 hours of cutscene stories, of stories cutscenes, essentially, that are, like, main plot point, per se. That's, what, 10% of the whole entire game you're getting just story cutscenes? Like, that seems like a huge mismatch of what's going on there. Like, that makes it seem like the story is very short, but, like, it's a 100-hour game. It shouldn't be, like, that minimal.
2: But you're also getting stuff that's not all, like, cutscenes.
0: Yeah, bad quests.
2: No, not all bad quests. Like, you're, you there's a lot of story that you're going to build up through, like, talking to characters and, like, not having just straight-up cutscenes. Um... Like the, there's a lot of world building that happens in Xenoblade, and that's part of what makes it so great. Is like how alive this world feels, um, which is fantastic. But um, I don't, I don't see this having the same issue of padding as like Persona Five. Like I that, cannot that,
0: understand how you can't see that
2: because like everywhere is extremely relevant to what's going on and it didn't feel like it just dragged on for me like it was like okay this is where I need to go this is part of this story like everything felt like it had some kind of necessary piece
0: look you could say that obviously the areas you're going to are very like prominent towards the plot point mm-hmm. it felt like a drag going to every single area because I knew I was going to literally sit there for seven hours doing side quests and nothing else
2: okay but that's you.
0: Which makes it seem like it is a very poorly paced game. I disagree. I do not agree with your disagreement. <laughs>
2: um I mean you have to know what's going on or else like you're. I know what's what going on but like
0: I just I'm not having I'm I feel like I'm just like sitting here doing nothing while I could be doing the story but then I'm going to be hit with be like by being under leveled at some point because I'm trying to mainline this or rush the story then. And then I'm going to do 14 hours of side quests, and I'm going to really hate myself.
2: I mean, we personally know several people who have, like, streamlined this and beat it much quicker than I did.
0: But, like, okay, so the problem with that for me is that that was how I played this game originally. Mm -hmm. And it made me bounce off super quick. Because I I was just constantly underleveled and getting frustrated with the game. Mm -hmm. So I, I would not be able to play this game streamlined. Like, that's just not an option for me. Game's too long.
2: It's not too long.
0: Xenoblade Chronicles 2, also a game too long.
2: Not too long.
0: No, you're, no. You cannot say that.
2: I can say that.
0: No. Inaccurate.
2: <laughs> not inaccurate.
0: It's No, Xenoblade Chronicles 2 is a game that's far too long for its sake. But
2: that's also, a- it's, it's
0: a worse game than this, easily. I,
2: I agree that it's a worse game than this. I easily agree with that part. Um, but I I personally don't think that either of these games are too long.
0: You are indoctrinated?
2: No, I'm not indoctrinated. I, I just really enjoy this game and what it has to offer.
0: Who are you? Where's Al? Loki, stop taking over Al.
2: Dude. Making her say bad pee. This is who I've always been, and you know that. I know. You know this is me. You know how much I love this game. You know how much I love all the questing in it. Like it's it's a very relaxing and fun game for me to play.
0: I wish I had a relaxing fun time playing this game.
2: I wish you did too, because it's really, really fun. And I I definitely did not. Really enjoyed it and I'm very, very sad that you don't like it. Like I'm really sad by that. Okay, it, it, so it obviously, a lot to me.
0: Obviously, we were going to talk about this a little bit later. Um, how far are we in this podcast? Probably too far. Oh, God. 45 minutes. We're going to very streamline the plot.
2: Yeah, um, we're not going to talk about the plot a whole lot.
0: I think Monolith Soft is bad at making long games, but when they make 10 to 15 hour like experiences, they are phenomenal at it. Like, their writing and, like, the way they are pacing the game and everything when they are doing these short-form experiences with Torna and with what they do with Xenoblade Chronicles Future Connected...
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, they're both really good.
2: I think they're all good.
0: But, like, I I think Xenoblade Chronicles is very poorly paced and I just could not get into it. Um, Chronicles X was just like, man, I can't wait to get a mech. 30 hours later, I get a mech. Well, i just probably stop playing this game now. And then 2 is just super long again and just like bad characters and poor writing and all that sort of stuff but then it's like Torna and the, the Xenoblade Chronicles I blog are great like I don't understand the difference
2: I, I like I said I think Chronicles and 2 and Torna and Future Connected are all good they're different experiences but they're all very good and I mean like it's shorter but Future Connected you're doing the exact same stuff
0: but it's shorter It's a more compacted story and it feels way more just like it it feels like it is definitely paced like, Hey, this is a 10 hour experience, you know, going into it, that's what you're getting. And they're able to work within those parameters in a way that provides you with an experience that feels like you're getting a large, like you're getting chunky story bits constantly and something is always constantly happening.
2: But it wouldn't have made any sense unless you had the, xenoblade before it
0: totally yeah i would not i will not disagree with that obviously
2: so like you can't really say with torna or futures connected that they're like standalone experiences because they rely no, no, no no heavily no. on what came before it to understand what's going on so no, they're clear, not,
0: clearly they're not
2: they're not just truncating like a whole story in 10 hours they are relying on what's already been told to tell that story
0: but they are truncating a story into 10 hours. Like, this is a specific story we are telling with this experience. Obviously, you're going to come in with your own baggage and with your own uh, experience with the other stories. But this is a story we are telling for this amount of time. And that's it.
2: Like, if you had if you had paid, like, $50 for Futures Connected, you probably would have been real mad.
0: Well, they wouldn't have probably... I mean, they probably could. Yeah. But also, like, I think I got Torna on sale as well, so...
2: I paid full price for Torna but
0: um... If Torna or Future Connected was a $20 experience and I knew what happened throughout Xenoblade Chronicles I think that would be easily a worthwhile purchase. I would be completely happy with it. Easy peasy lemon squeezy.
2: Um, as I said, i I like all of these except for crosses't as good, but Chronicles, Futures connected to Torna, I like all of those experiences. They're just different experiences.
0: To me, I just like for for, for me personally, obviously mm-hmm. I just like how they they make short form experiences. I just for whatever reason, I cannot get into their long form experiences.
2: Which is a real. And plot. Obviously, that, that's
0: just me. That's that's that is on me. I completely understand that. But like it it feels like such a weird divide that like I can get into like their one experience, but like this other experience is like it's just not for me at all. I don't know. By the way, you want to talk about the plot? Yeah. I so mean, we don't sit here and argue for thirty more minutes.
2: <laughs> I will argue to the death of me that Xenoblade Chronicles is amazing. I will.
0: That is fine. You can argue that. I will say I disagreed and I did not enjoy it as much as you did. I just wanted to give my reasons. Yep. Uh, Shulk, he's the guy. He's really feeling it. Ryan, he's the guy. He's got some Ryan time.
2: Oh my god.
0: Dunbon, he's a vampire.
2: Dunban!
0: That's it. That's the game. Ricky is the hero, the true protagonist. Hero the greatest bon. character in this video game. And roll credits.
2: Okay, so... The gist of the game um, is that people
0: wanna, live huh? Do you want to read do you want me to read the plot summary on Wikipedia? No. I'm gonna give
2: you a plot summary. I got this. Okay. Um so you have these two giants, um, the Maconis and the Bionis, that serve as essentially the worlds that people live on. Um and the Bionis is where the Homs live and we are introduced to them in colony nine with shulk who is our uh protagonist he is a scientist who uh, works on weaponry and his best friend is ryan and as you said it is ryan time um he is also involved with the military uh but not as smart and uh fiora is their friend who has feelings for Shulk very clearly, and Shulk is kind of oblivious to it. And Dunvan is uh, her older brother by many, many years, and he was also the hero of Sword Valley, which was a battle that took place a year prior where um, the Mechon, who live on Mechonis, attacked the Bionis. and um, he wielded the Monado, which did a lot of damage to his arm. So, Shulk has been um, essentially researching the Monado to figure out like how it works and why it did what it did. Um, and things happen, and eventually Colony Nine is attacked by the Mechon.
0: If your um, dies.
2: Yes, spoiler alert, Fiora dies. Fiora is killed by Metal Face, which um, Shult gets the Monado, is able to see the future, and tries to prevent things from happening, but um, fails, and also learns that the Monado doesn't seem to work on Metal Face for some reason. Uh, So after Fiora dies, they go on a revenge quest, essentially. you pick up some some people on the way. Um, Charla is one. Uh, Colony six was attacked by uh, by the Mechon, and so she is also really out for some revenge and wants to find out what happened to her fiance. Um, ghetto, and uh, also you get to rebuild Colony six, which is really fun.
0: I like that part.
2: It was really fun
0: and then it got to a part where it was like hey you gotta grind for these items so I was like oh
2: what items did you have to grind for
0: I don't remember I don't remember if it was a it was like a person in the colony who was like hey get me these items and it was like it was just one of those where you had to like fight enemies and then hope and pray it drops for you and I was like I don't want to do this <laughs> it was like it was also like give me like nine of these items I was like oh
2: hey you want to know a secret to that that um Involves your favorite character. What? Uh, Riki has a an ability called Yoink. Yoink? And Yoink ups the uh, the rate the of f- those what? silver and gold chests dropping.
0: Glad the game told me this.
2: It did in the uh, skill tree.
0: Who has time to read the skill tree of characters you weren't using?
2: You're supposed to connect them so that you can use... All the abilities to the best of your advantage.
0: Who has time to read the abilities?
2: Me. Um, but anyway, Yoink helps a lot. I bet. Uh, <laughs> um, so as we're working our way up the Bionis, um, Shulk gets visions that he has to go to essentially like the head of the Bionis. Along the way, you meet uh, Melia, who is obviously some kind of important gal. And you meet uh, Riki, who is the hero pawn for the year.
0: Greatest character in this video game.
2: He is in severe debt and has to work his way out of it. Um, And eventually, you're able to work your way up to Sea to Alchemoth, find out that Melia is the crown princess of Alchemoth. Also, she is um, high India, which means that she is burdish. Oi. Oi. Um, and Shalt keeps seeing visions in Prison Island, which is the Bionis head, um, of the Emperor dying and him fighting with uh, the Mechon, the metal face, and a silver Um, face. Um, all that happens, Emperor dies. Uh, you also find out that, hey, Fiora's alive. She is piloting the silver mechon. Um, but she doesn't remember you at all. Also, I forgot to mention that we picked up Dunbad along the way. He dresses like a vampire.
0: Yeah, he's a vampire man. Um. Unless you make him naked.
2: I made him naked the whole time. He, okay, Again, with the skill tree, um, there's an ability that like completely makes him broken with his agility if he's naked. Um, and you you can put him in like swim trunks and everything, and that counts as naked. Uh, so like you straight up put the dude in like swim trunks and no shirt and like flippy floppies, and he just like can't be hit. It's fantastic. Um, naked Dunban's the only way to go, guys. For the record. <laughs> And that's the thing, is that I've played this so much that I know how to break things <laughs>
0: like this. Of course.
2: Um So yeah, uh they have decided they're going to take this to Mechonis. Um they take Sword Valley again, get to uh Galhad Fortress.
0: Sword Valley the- Valley that is not made of swords. But it's on it's on a sword, but it's it is on not a like, sword. There's not just like a bunch of swords just hanging out there. Very disappointing.
2: It is on its <laughs> sword. Everything's named after, like, body parts and, like, parts of the the bodies of Who the... is
0: living on the bionist? I...
2: <laughs> it's a solid question. I don't know the answer to that. Um.
0: <laughs> you play um, the game for 300 hours and you don't know that? What are do you doing? To,
2: you don't get to go to the crotch. It's not a place you visit. Um. Anyway, we get to Galahad <laughs> Fortress. We meet with the Silverface. We also meet with Egil, um, who is at war. He wants to destroy the Bionis.
0: Uh, also, I think we should probably mention this, but when you're up in Prison Island, you meet a giant by the name of Zanza.
2: Zanza. And, um, he's
0: pretty important. <laughs>
2: he's pretty important, and he is able to tell Shulkow to release the Monado in order to um, fight Metal Face. Yes. Um. Yeah. He also gets like shanked. Yes. Um. At that point. So, uh, Galahad fortress. You meet Egil. You see Silverface, who decides that Egil cannot kill you. Um, things are going weird with that. Shulk is like, "Who? What is going on with you, Fiora? This is weird." Um. She, like, malfunctions and ends up, like, falling off Galahad Fortress. And Shulk, being the crazy man that he is, jumps after her. And uh, they end up on the fallen arm.
0: Pulled a solid snake.
2: <laughs> um, so, Fiora eventually remembers him and explains that uh, she has someone else's soul within her. So, she has basically two people within her body.
0: Which is like, I as soon as they got to that, I was like, that's literally what they decided to make. They 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 took this entire idea and made Xenoblade Chronicles 2 out of it.
2: <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes sense. I'm um, like, oh,
0: I see what you did here.
2: So, um, in the Fallen Arm, they meet with uh the leader, who I forget his name. Uh, he's large, and he asks you to large kill... Large
0: and in charge! He asks
2: you to kill Egil. So is you, his name. You, it starts with an M. Uh you go up to the Capitol, you meet up with Egil. Um, but before that, you meet up with Ghetto, who has been brainwashed, he does not remember anything. But guess what? He eventually does. Yay! Um and in the whole situation with Egil, um eventually you find out like. Oh, hey, um, Mayneth is within Fiora. Mayneth is the soul of Mechanis. Mm-hmm. And she explains that Zanza is the soul of Bionis. Mm-hmm. And you're like, wait, what?
0: My favorite thing about Egil is like the group confronts him like a couple of times. Yeah. Before they have like their final encounter with him. And every time it's like, why are you doing this? And he's like, I'm not telling you. Buzz off.
2: Yeah, he's, he's out not. He's not here. Not. Interested in giving you his villain di- uh, monologue? He does. I mean, not eventually care. he
0: does, but like eventually just, he
2: does. But
0: I really appreciate the fact that they're like, here's this villain who's just like, I'm not gonna tell you what I'm trying to do. Like, I don't care if you want to know. Get <laughs> out of here, you weirdos.
2: Goodbye. Um. Yeah. So all this essentially leads up to. Um, you have to. Go in and try and uh, defeat like Egil and the core of Mechanus. Um And in doing this, uh, at one point, Shulk is like going to straight up shank Egil. And then he has a moment of like, I can't, I can't do this. Like, we have the same goals because um, the Bionis essentially um, like betrayed Mechanis and attacked them first. So um, he, he understands that feeling of, like, wanting revenge for people that you love. Uh, but then! But then, as flap. he's standing there with his Monado up, ready to not kill Egil, uh, he gets shot.
0: Shot through um, the heart, and he's to blame. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, and there is a character who has been a- around since the very beginning. Yeah, he was at the Battle Sword Valley with uh, Dunban. And he was the one who found Shulk as a small child and also found the Monado when Shulk was a small child. He has helped you in your fight all along. Uh, his name is Dixon. And Dixon shot the he out of Shulk.
0: He sure gave Shulk a hot cup of <laughs> d***.
2: He sure did. Um,
0: this is the part where I was like, oh, this is just Metal Gear Soul 2, basically. Because <laughs> it's like, here's the, the villain you've been trying to fight towards this whole time, but... Surprise, it, he's not the actual main villain, it's this
2: guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, Dixon reveals that he is uh, he is Zanza's uh, disciple. Um, also with the McConus core events, like all of the full blooded Telethia turn in or full blooded Hyantia turn into Lethia. Hmm.
0: Also, um, they just yanked the soul of Zanza out of Shulk.
2: Oh, yeah, that too. So Shulk becomes, like, a shell.
0: Mm. Um, And then Zanza and Mayneth fight each other, and Zanza defeats Mayneth, grabs her Monado, and now he has two Monados.
2: He has two Monados. How come you get two Monados?
0: I got two Monados now. I'm all powerful. You all suck.
2: (laughs) This is the power of a god, That's basically what he does. (laughs) Yeah, with his long hair. Um, And so there's a lot of just chaos happening at this point and shulk is like floating around in space trying to figure out like what's mm. going on and there's this guy who's been hanging around named alvis
0: he's the kingdom hearts man
2: he is um and alvis he, he, shows up. by that
0: i mean he's not in kingdom hearts but he just looks like he came straight out of kingdom hearts
2: yeah he, his design's pretty kingdom hearts ish uh he shows up and is like what are you doing like you know you can go back right like you are separate from Zanza mm-hmm. uh, and eventually Shulkrilla is like yep alright I can do that um, so he is able to go back to his body um, that Ryan luckily is able to carry back
0: yeah he's like boy. he's like comatose essentially mm-hmm. from this point until he eventually decides to wake up again Alvis is a weird character like I don't think I still understand fully like what he was doing this whole time like because like Obviously, we learned that he beca- he's aligned with zanza he's what, yeah. he's lived Dixon and all them, yeah, but like at the same time, he's undermining zanza, yes, it's... that dude's just everywhere he is the revolver ocelot of this video game
2: um Zanza, uh, Zanza, alvis is kind of like chaos in a sense, but um yeah the best way to think about this is that he he was uh, allied with zanza because of his true nature um but then like when he realizes that it's out of control he's like yeah no this isn't cool i gotta i gotta fix this um which is true nature is hilarious but <laughs> um he he ends up relating more to shulk in a in a way than he does uh Zanza at this mm. point. Um, and he realizes that Zanza did some real messed up stuff. So we're gonna take him down. We're gonna uh, kill a god. Uh. Um so Shulk has his like faux Monados made. Um and man, everything's bad. Like I said, the the Telethia, like all the hyentia that were full blooded are now Telethia, and that's that's bad news.
0: Melia's um, brother gets turned into one and it's real nasty.
2: It's real bad. Um they eventually have to kill him. Mm-hmm. And he, he explains like she was the hope of the hyantia because she was half blooded. Um uh,
0: they have to beat up her fake mom who just has her hammerhammers out.
2: <laughs> that's uh that's the advisor.
0: But isn't she like
2: Yumea was her mother her not mother. And Yumea was um scapegoated and thrown in prison.
0: Right. But mm-hmm. like Himmerhamer lady was Lorothea. Yes. But she was like the the High Intia lady that the Emperor had. No. And Yumea was the Homs lady?
2: No. Yumea was the High Intia um first consort. The second consort was Mel- Melia's mom, and she died.
0: Okay, I got real confused on that part, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I don't um, know. You- that may have just been because of the way I was viewing the story. It yeah. didn't get explained all that well in those cutscenes, but yeah, I got real confused on that. Even though I think back then I was real confused on it when I was playing the game.
2: Yeah, so you was Callian's mom. And so, I need, I need her, a
0: family chart of this.
2: So her and Melia are not related at all. Right. Um, and then Laura Thea is the advisor to the Emperor. Right. Also in charge of, like, tech.
0: Also just in charge of, like, this Black Ops rogue band of messed up folks.
2: Yeah, that too. <laughs> um, Which is where uh, Tyrea hangs out.
0: Mm-hmm. Got her hammer's out. Gets beat up.
2: Yeah. So um, in, the, in the
0: insides of the the Bionis. In the heart. They vor the Bionis.
2: Oh my god. <laughs> um. So you wrap it up in Prison Island. You get to fight uh Dixon in his true form. And um I actually really appreciated the scene um because like when Dixon gets hit by the Monado after uh like some some pep talking between the crew. Um, he's he just like a transforms. fake Monado, right? Yes, um, but he's like, yeah, you can't do anything without your Monado, and then he's able to actually hit him, and mm-hmm. he he transforms back to his regular self, and he's like, you know what, I'm done. I'm not. I'm I
0: I also really like that just because like he's like, no, I'm good, I'm good. I uh, you, you go whatever, I don't care, mm-hmm. and like
2: he's, he's like, I'm not a martyr for this,
0: mm-hmm. and like he's just like, I'm not gonna give you the satisfaction of feeling like you beat me,
2: but then he dies.
0: He, he does, but like I just like the idea that like he he basically lures them into this false sense of security, like oh we'll be fine. He's just injured and everything. Yep. But his true intentions are like I don't want you to feel like you have victory over me. Yep. Like screw you.
2: He he says like so the student surpassed the master since Shulk mm-hmm. was essentially like his his kid for like a better word like he yeah. raised him. Um. But he does not want them to see him die. So he mm-hmm. just like goes and chills in the corner with a cigarette. And um
0: I thought when that cigar fall, it fell it was gonna like land right on his <laughs> and it was gonna set his d <laughs> on fire.
2: <laughs> Why would it's it take
0: like, oh, no! that? <laughs> I don't know. It was like the way it was falling, I was like, Oh, that's gonna hurt. But it just um, fell on the ground.
2: But uh is like yeah, his wounds, and uh, like, yeah, we just got to keep going, man. But I, I really like that scene. I think it's a good way to wrap up Dixon's story.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree. Um, I really enjoyed that part as well.
2: I like it a lot. And so then uh, you go through and time to go to space.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do Okay. So obviously Shulk has been in space because he had his weird existential moment of trying to figure out his real self uh-huh and I, this was where i was like man did they just turn this into did they just copy final fantasy 7 at some points here but like how do they get to space
2: i mean that's where the transporter takes them so that they can fight
0: zanza. okay i didn't realize they took a transporter it was more just like hey we beat dixon and now we're in space for me
2: no no because that's where zanza is <laughs> and so like, um, how
0: did we just randomly end up in space <laughs> Uh, so... What is going on?
2: <laughs> you're walking by, like, all of our solar system, so you get to go by Jupiter and Mars, and, um, eventually you, uh, meet up with Zanza, and Shulk decides that this is no, no world for gods, and they beat the crap out of him, but also Alvis explains, like, this is the story of what happened.
0: hmm
2: And, um, there is a space station...
0: They show that space station I was immediately like, I know this.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: I know this.
2: Um, and you are introduced to uh Klaus. Mm-hmm. Um, who is a scientist and mayn well, Mayneth has a different name when she's uh Oh. I forget what her I'm trying to look it up real quick.
0: But it but it becomes she becomes She Mayneth.
2: becomes Mayneth, yes. Right. Um Let's see. Her name is uh, Galea.
0: Right. Because um, the whole thing, obviously, I know going into this is that like there is some connection in two to this game,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I was I kept the entire time I was like, who is I was trying to remember like who's the character that makes that connection to in two, and mm-hmm. then when they show that space station, and then like when they're like when they say Klaus, I was like, oh, this is it.
2: Yeah, they showed that scene in two. Um.
0: Okay, so. I don't know if you remember or not is do they basically like kind of beautify up that scene in two to kind of match the kind of graphical styling of two or did they just show the scene from the original game in two
2: um it is not like they didn't remake it in uh Xenoblade 2's art style um so it's Mm. a lot rougher looking right um so obviously they had not made this yet (laughs) yeah um I wonder, yeah, it,
0: I wonder if you would put in the work to patch this scene into two, then, to kind of like—that's
2: question—to
0: make it kind of like go fit in part and parcel with the way two's art style is. Yeah, but regardless,
2: it's, it's it would be smart too. But, um, yeah, Klaus is mad with power at the moment in the space station, and um, ends up using the supercomputer Alvis, uh, to. Trade experiment which essentially ends up creating uh, the new world of the Bionis and the Mechanists, um, with Klaus Zanza in the Bionis and the mainith is mm-hmm.
3: Um
2: And then Zanza uh, essentially gets to the point where he is upset that people don't remember him. Mm-hmm. And so that's why he decides that he's going to fight and become super god. Um, so Shulk... <laughs> Says no, and Shulk gets his own true Monado. Mm-hmm. Um, so Zanz is like, I have this Monado, and I and have this Monado made its Monado. Why am I losing? And, um, so after he does lose the weapon triangle, well, so <laughs> um. Elvis eventually is like, all right, these after you beat Sansa, he's like, these worlds like they're collapsing right now. You got to do something, man. Um, and takes him into like this, um, like dream-like state where he's standing on the water, talking to him, trying to explain what's going on. And um, he's like,
0: had, man, simple and clean is the way that you're making me feel tonight.
2: Oh my god, he has his friends come in and like talk to him about what's going on. And um, Shulk is basically like, I want to live in a world with no gods. And throws his Monado to the other two Monados and makes that wish, essentially. Um, which then leads to um, a broken down version of the worlds um, that is stabilized with no gods. And um, everybody is living in in harmony in the colony, the new colony they built. mm mm-hmm. um, And Fiora gets her old body back. Mm-hmm. Um, including the uh, original boob size that she had, because <laughs> man, they went bigger on the the robo body. It's like her, her, they're not that big, but they were then. Um, so how's that for a rundown? How did yeah, I-, I
0: think that works. Um,
2: I cried so much in this ten game. hours of
0: cutscenes So that is a very streamlined version of of what has happened. Yeah, it's missed so- a
2: lot, but still.
0: So, like, obviously, I basically picked up, like, halfway... I, I watched five hours of cutscenes, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the story is, is, is fine. Like, I, I enjoyed what they do with the story and everything. Like, what they do in, like, the back half of it and all that sort of stuff. Like, um, I found it to be enjoyable. Um, I thought it did some interesting things. It did went some places I wasn't expecting it to. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I thought it was perfectly fine. Like, I wish it was in a game that I enjoyed playing more, and it wasn't 100 hours that you had to go through to see all of that. But, like, yeah, I think, like, the story is really is, is Really all right. Really, yeah. all right. really all right.
2: I love that story. I think it's really great. Um, also, like, out of the message of no gods.
0: I think Future Connected does... So let's talk about Future Connected a little bit. Okay. Um, I will say I think real
2: quick, th- the, like, the connection at the end where shulk is saying like he doesn't want a world with gods right before they they defeat zanza like where before they fight him that is word for word in xenoblade 2 mm-hmm. when you're talking with klaus so it's
0: because he just somehow is able to get warped into this other world
2: yeah dimensional stuff
0: stuff it's time dimension stuff that, um, yeah
2: but it, that's why I freaked out when I was playing, too. I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so Future Connected.
0: I think Future um, Connected does a a smart thing by basically making the focus on Melia. Because at the end, by the end of Xenoblade Chronicles, like, she essentially is going to become the leader of the Hyantia. Mm-hmm. I mean, she already kind of is, but. Yeah, but, um, like,
2: nobody knows it.
0: Right. But also, like, I don't think her as a character would have been ready for that by that point.
2: No, I agree. And, you know, she's just gone through a lot of trauma, um, mm-hmm. like a lot of trauma. And the thing with Xenoblade Chronicles is that the Hyentia and Melia herself don't really get as much closure as everybody else. Yeah. Um, so this was very satisfying for me to actually get some form of closure for her mm-hmm. and for the high Entia.
0: Yeah, because I think it does a really good job of, like, putting her out into, like, a humanitarian mission, essentially,
2: mm-hmm. where,
0: like, she gets to see, like, what's happening with the people and all this sort of stuff, and, like, it gives her a good time to, like, reflect on everything, figure out exactly how she would want to be a leader in all of this, and basically is 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 a way for her to actually prepare herself to be like, I want to do this now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it and, like, gives her confidence in her mm-hmm. leadership.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, we get some good, good backstory with Ricky's kids.
2: Yo, so that's something I did not expect from this, is that, like, two of the playable characters are uh, Ricky's kids. So you get his adopted son and his uh, And um, throughout the game, you get, like, little tidbits of, like, Ricky's character. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy crap, like this is so excited really fun to like learn more about who he is because like he's kind of played off as like the the jokey character yeah he's and the Ronald. comedic
0: relief essentially
2: yeah and so like to find out like all these really great things that he's done for other people was like wow that's really cool actually like
0: i was yeah like i was real excited when like they first showed up because like ricky was like my favorite character coming out of this game
2: <laughs> <laughs> ricky's great
0: he's really uh, good and i was like oh heck yeah let's spend time with his kids that's great
2: um, and so that, that was real fun that like straight off the bat, well, Shulk ends up crashing junks, which for some reason they call it the junks in the, I'm not sure why, like in the original, it's just referred to as junks. Um, this is the
0: upgraded version. They just added a the in front of
2: it. the junks, but he crashes the junks cause of a laser. And then they're like, oh, Hey, we're on the bionic shoulder time to like explore yeah. this place. They
0: essentially think it's like a defense system that went weird. Yeah. But then they learn, it's like, no, there's a weird fog monster just hanging out the on... The Fog uh,
2: King Alchemoth.
0: Alchemoth yeah. Mm-hmm. It just turns into percent of four for a hot second. <laughs> um, the
2: Fog King.
0: Yeah. Uh, but essentially, you, you go around the, the Bayana's shoulder, you you see these two uh, different uh, villages that have kind of propped up. One is, like, full of Hyentia that I were basically...
2: Like a defense force.
0: They were a defense force that I kind of, like, were, you know, up, uprooted from their home and everything mm. uh and had to basically live here now because they've been trying to fight the falking and nothing can fight it or they, nothing they are doing yeah they have some racist tendencies especially the one guy
2: yeah yeah like the whole reason that they leave the other town to live there mm. is because um they're they're really not happy that the the, the machina are mm. over in the other town
0: yeah uh eventually you find you go to uh Alcheme uh alchemoth alchemoth um and like you you see like what's actually happening there
2: yo i just want to say before we talk about that like seeing alchemoth in the state was super cool and very mm-hmm. sad like being able to explore it and see like the grass all grown up and the two mm-hmm. um escalators broken down like oh my god it was so cool
0: also i think uh keno is like no one has been keep te- keeping track of, or keeping care of the law in here. Nene
2: says that. Nene oh, it says that uh, like, one of them says it. Somebody hasn't been keeping the ground the groundskeeper hasn't been working. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was great. And Millie's like, nope, no, they haven't. Um, so yeah, they go and check out this this fog king and see this rift.
0: Mm-hmm. Also they find a kid there.
2: Oh, yeah. Uh, uh You Two. find him
0: there. Who's like been basically trying to research a way to bring t- the teleth- or transform the telethia back into hyentia?
2: Yes, so that's a quest that you get after Mikana's core because his mom turns into a telethia. Mm. Um, and so if you go and hang out at um, the ether plant um, at Sea, um uh, first you have to like rescue him, but um, eventually he will say like, "Hey, I was working with my mentor, who is now also a telethia. He told me that there." are some research records um in the uh the tomb could you get those for me because i really need to research how to get my mom back um so you go and get the records given back to him and then he starts his research so that's Mm. uh, a side quest in the original game
0: See, i didn't know that i thought he was just a character they put in this
2: nope he's Um. in the original game and um you know, he he's real traumatized, but also is like, you know, I gotta fix it. I gotta do this. Um, you know, I, I had I had mentorship, I can do it.
0: Gotcha. Um, he basically, you know, he's like, Oh, yeah, you know, I got a little lab and you're like you can you'll find it eventually. He's like, Oh yeah, I've been hanging out with my sis and everything. They're like, Who's your sister? He's like, Oh, we're not really related, but she's been helping me with my research. And then you eventually go and see him and you find Tyrea's there.
2: Tyrea
0: She's the one who's been helping him. Like, I was really impressed with like how well they do Tyrea's like baby face turn here where they basically make her from being the the assassin that she was in one and then they kind of basically kind of start this in one as well. They that one side one. quest. Uh where she has to find her mom who's a Telethia now, but like they go full bo- full born here of just like we're gonna make you into <laughs> on the good side here now. It's really cool. Yeah, like they fully explore like her and Melia's like relationship and how like you know they they still feel awkward towards each other, but they realize they have to work together eventually to to see the high kind of come back into prominence and everything. And they fully explore like all of those aspects of
2: it's really cool what
0: happens between those two and like it's done incredibly well.
2: And they also like kind of acknowledge like, hey, you know, we're not blood related, but Mm -hmm. you're essentially the only family I have left.
0: Yeah. Which I think helps that like they they basically kind of introduce like uh, Nene and Kino essentially as having the same kind of issue. Yeah. And there's like a uh, a quiet moment, which is their their version of Heart to Hearts, because they do a little bit of like, gameplay and
2: God, oh, they're so fun
0: stuff that kind of overhauls stuff. Like you don't have a skill tree in this. They do the quiet moments or Heart to Hearts, but you don't have to use like affinities or anything. It's just hey, have this character in your or these characters in your party, or At and be far they, enough in the story. Yeah, yeah like totally great. Um. But yeah, like, there's one where, like, it's uh, Melia, Tyrea, and then Nene shows up and is just like, you guys got to kiss and make up. You're sisters now.
2: Or else and mom Tyreia will be just, real mad.
0: Tyrea just keeps getting mad at her.
2: Yep. It's really it's good.
0: Dumb and good.
2: Um, Tyrea's character development, this is amazing. Yeah. It's really, really well done. It's a good use of this character. Totally. Yeah. Um, because, like, that's not something I would have expected coming into this. Mm-hmm. But I'm real happy with it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, Tyrea is helping with the research to try and turn mm-hmm. the Telethia back.
0: Uh, eventually, our homeboy's house gets blown up and the research with it from the, the main... Uh, half high into a dude oh, who's that, just a jerk and we just sucks. the best part is like he's a scrub so you just beat him up and then a telethia comes and just like chases him off yep and then you beat him up again later on as like a side quest and then he's it, just like I'm gonna fall off the, the, the shoulder bye
2: um it was t mom that that mm-hmm. protected him yeah. but um yeah I was like I'm gonna throw him off the, the shoulder and you're like well I'm like wait do I actually throw off the shoulder <laughs> well well and then I beat him and he fell himself he fell himself, he threw himself <laughs> off the shoulder and was yeah. like, Well, he did the hard work for me. It's fine.
0: I was kind of glad that like he obviously was kind of set up just to be like a semi-antagonist, but like yeah. he sucked. Yeah. He was not was good just at like, his job. Yeah, it was just like, oh, satisfyingly beat him up both times. It's not like just like, oh, now I'm gonna get away because I'm the villain. Like somehow like sometimes Zenobloy does. Yeah. Um, it's just like, no, you're gonna beat his <laughs> and then you're gonna go beat his. Again. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, that was great. And then eventually, it's like, "I've had my feet <laughs> too much. I am, I'm done." Ah. Ah. Um, um,
0: but yeah, yeah, you basically move those two to the like this new big village, the original village that you mm-hmm. find, where like all of the the races are hanging out there. Um, the fog monster gets bad. The, the there's like a, a rift in the the sky over uh alchemoth like gets bigger and starts turning like the monsters down on the shoulder into fog monsters so you basically have to protect this village in a variety of ways and that includes like going and getting the the former soldiers from the other village and having them come here mm-hmm. which uh, that was a really good point for like melia as yeah. well because like she basically kind of is like hey i'm ha- I'm, ha- I'm done with your bullshit. you're gonna come help us this is literally what you have been training to do your whole lives you need to do this now.
2: Like, are you actually just going to sit here and let them die because yeah. you're racist? <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and she also like, is able to say like, you know, this is who I am at this mm-hmm. point, because before mm-hmm. that she's been hiding it.
0: And they're like, Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so she does that. And like, there is like, it's uh back at the, uh, the original village. Like Tyrea is like leading the charge of like defending the gate. Mm-hmm. to get there and like she's just like she's she's basically on her like last bits of energy and is about to get messed up and then like <laughs> and it's yelling
2: and, at melia like come on get back yeah, here
0: an energy blast like defeats the monster that's in front of her and you see like you see shulk melia Nene, kino and then the rest of the 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 guard with them like
2: slow walking toward her i was like
0: oh man this is
2: good yep yep and they uh they fight um, one thing I do want to say is that um, there are T Rexes in this that I got to destroy. Look, they again.
0: are those T Rexes are scrubs compared to the big T Rex. They they're are like they're, like level, they're 70. level seventy. They're babies.
2: Babies, but it's still very satisfying. Um, so yeah, Tyria. Uh, at one point, it's really funny because. Uh, Melly's like, where's Tyrea after, like, they get there and defeat all the enemies? And she's like, oh, yeah, she went and got cured. And then she's like, yeah, I got to get away from this sappy nonsense.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Real good. Good. Uh, There's also a thing in in the game because, like, you don't have link attacks anymore when you're fighting. Mm -hmm. You instead, you find these no pawn, like.
2: Prospectors.
0: Prospectors. And eventually, when you get enough of them, you're able to do, to gather them all up and do, like, a special attack. Mm Mm-hmm those special attack animations are good
2: (laughs) they're good they're real good um which this also has lore because uh there's an archaeology center in frontier village Mm -hmm. um the the tree area where the nopon live and so they're from the archaeology center and um they're out here prospecting for mushrooms
0: so what do you so you finished that entire plot line Mm-hmm. Where you, you fought the the big dragon as well. I did. Was there anything that you get from doing that? Because I that was the one thing I didn't do.
2: You get that sweet crown with amazing stats. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, I mean like you get you get a very satisfying end to their uh mm-hmm. like plot line of like the debt and everything. Um which was fun. Cause they find a bunch of treasure at the bottom of dry mushrooms. <laughs> Good. So the archaeology center can continue on. But they give Melia the crown and it's rad.
0: Uh so basically eventually you have to go fight the, the fog king. Yep. Which is essentially is like, hey, level up enough to go fight the fog king.
2: Yeah, well and um Shulk has to add like an ether uh like a pure ether crystal to his yeah. new Monado that he's created.
0: The the new the new Monado version is real rad because it's like to start spewing like just energy everywhere and i was like oh yeah it's pretty good
2: good." uh also shulk's new outfit is so much better yeah it's so wow wow (laughs) (laughs) um although i had him fight the final boss and the uh the (laughs) beach wear
0: i had him in like the i had him with the goggles i had him in the flippy floppies but he had like the full black outfit
2: yeah, so I had him in the, the goggles and the fin, the swim fins, and then swim trunks, and then like the open shirt for swimming. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really, really funny to fight the boss in that. I <laughs> um, ended up for funsies putting Melia in her beach stuff too for the final boss. Because <laughs> um, why not? So, so they, were, they were definitely headed to the beach for uh, the Fog King battle.
0: We're going we're gonna to relax after this. Yeah. <laughs>
2: um so yeah they decide that like the way to destroy this thing is with massive amounts of ether so Mm -hmm. that's why shulk does his monado uh yeah trick which is funny because he like alters it with the ether thing and they're like nothing changes like ah, it did a little bit
0: hello there's a hole in here now yeah (laughs) big difference
2: big difference
0: uh, but yeah, you have to fight the Fog King. He has two phases. The first phase is pretty self-explanatory. You, fa- you fight him, beat yeah. him, and then they're like, oh, he's nothing's happening. That's not good. And then a bunch of Telethia go to start just ramming into the the the, the rift in the sky. I was like, that's weird. And they're like, yeah. oh, this is helping. I was like, okay. And then you fight him again. Um, this is where I had to give you advice. right? I offered advice to you because I had problems with it. Mm-hmm. But like the, the Fog King basically has like this Big, huge topple attack that's like literally takes out your entire party for like thirty seconds at a time. Yeah. And if he has the fog knights out with them, they will just eat through your HP. Oof. So it gets rough, but yeah, having topple resistance is very key. So Shulk can be like, "Hey, get up! Hey, get up! All right, yeah. let's fight this thing."
2: That's I had sh- uh, topple resist on Shulk, so he was able to help everybody mm-hmm. up.
0: Yeah, I, got, I think during that I only had I only got toppled once, but it was during it was like. It was in a in a phase where like none of the, like the other ads were out as well. So like it was just the the Fall King, so he couldn't do a ton of damage. Mm-hmm. So it was able to be okay for that, but yeah. Uh and then he beat the Fall King.
2: Yep. Yay. Melly is like, hey guys, protect me, give me time, and does like this really cool ether blast that I still don't know mm-hmm. exactly what she did. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. That's it. Yeah, it's dead now.
0: You get a you get a post like a an after thing where you see Melia basically coronation her coronation yeah and Tyre is there along with her and then basically you also see them going back to Colony Nine mm-hmm. and meeting back with meeting back up with everyone.
2: Well, he leaves Melia there and then he gets everybody from Colony Nine to come help rebuild Alchemoth. Alchemoth! Um. Which is awesome and Mm -hmm. I also love the fact that Tyrea agrees to like basically be her bodyguard. Mm -hmm.
0: Which like I think that scene at the end would kind of be a little it was a little weird out of context because I didn't see the two uh, quiet moments before it.
1: Oh no. Well
0: it's because like the way it it just shows it to you it makes it seem like she's going to become a party member so I got real confused. Also it was like five in the morning when I was doing this so I was very confused. Yeah. So I I went back the next day and played it and then like I got that context I was like oh okay this makes a lot more sense like why she she's there and everything
2: yeah seeing seeing those two quiet moments are really really important
0: yes very very
2: you can see the build up of them like starting to trust each other starting to Mm -hmm. listen to each other and then eventually the decision to become her her bodyguard
0: yeah um and yeah, I think this does a really good job. It's like wrapping up the story as a whole, and like it does, like, I think, a better job of just being like the end all be all. Because
1: mm-hmm.
0: you get that, you basically get that 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 character wrap for Melia, where she, you know, you finally get to see like, oh, she's going to go into this now, and like, you know full well like she's going to be great at it because like mm-hmm. she now has the confidence in herself, has the experience and all that sort of stuff to to do all this. And you got to see Ricky's kids, who are great.
2: They're great. Um... One thing that I find interesting that I'm not sure of, um, well, there are two things. I'm still not sure where the Rift came from.
0: Right. They kind of just don't explain that.
2: (laughs) They don't explain that. And two, um, the- Well, I think they
0: explained that, like, it's a byproduct of the new world.
2: The new world being unstable, yeah. Yeah.
0: That's basically all you get.
2: Um... The art book basically says, like, this is important because it's the future of Xenoblade. And I'm like... Yes.
0: So, like, you made mention of that to me. And, like, that quote kept coming through my head. I was like, okay, so what's the future of Xenoblade after this thing? Because, like, it doesn't really seem like that. It's just, right. hey, we're wrapping it up. I was expecting at one point we would see something from two.
2: I was expecting some kind of, like, new thing that would lead into, mm-hmm. like, a. I was expecting, a, like, a, a new three. thing
0: or you would see some, like, hint at something that's happening in two as well. while all this is happening but you don't get either of those so i wonder if that's just like a mistranslation or
2: it might be um but it i sent you that quote when i first got the art book and i'm like huh Mm -hmm. that's interesting but um
0: that doesn't seem to be the case here it does
2: not seem to be the case it mainly just seems like a, a wrap up
0: yeah and it's a fine fine one at that
2: yeah um so it's also really cool that they got Melia's voice actress back because she's, like, actually, like, a big, important star now. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, she was in Doctor Who after this. Oh, huh. Um, so she was, like, one of the companions for Doctor Who.
0: So, yeah, like, they basically... They only really get back, like, Shulk, Melia, and Tyrea as, like, actual mm-hmm. voice characters in this that are, like, from the original game and everything. So, like, you see, like, Ryan, Charla. Viora the Dunbon at the very end but yeah like they're just not voiced they're just hey we're here as well still hello
2: yeah uh, Jenna Coleman is her name hmm. Um. so I was actually kind of shocked that they were able to get her back for that but that's pretty cool Yeah. and then like you know Adam Howden's been doing Shulk for years now so he's
0: been really feeling it
2: He's he's been really feeling it I love Stalk. He's a good boy. He tries his best. He's a science boy. So, yeah. We played Xenoblade.
0: We did. Would you like to hear about what what the, uh, the creators feel about the future of mm-hmm. the Xenoblade?
2: I, I definitely would.
0: Um... In May 2018, series creator Tetsuya Takahashi pitched a new game concept to Nintendo. The first prod- first production group known for their work on Xenoblade Chronicles series started development on a new project in August 2018 after Xenoblade Chronicles 2: torn of the Golden Country went gold. In October 2018, the first production de- division of Monolith Soft, led by Tetsuya Takahashi, started hiring for a new role-playing game project in the first in the style of previous Xenoblade Chronicles titles. As of 2020, the production group is currently focused on strengthening the Xenoblade Chronicles brand for the foreseeable future, leaving no room for a smaller-scale game outside of the series. Takahashi said that while a continuation of Continuation of Xenoblade Chronicles Cross is possible. The next game may go in a different direction, as he often gets bored with the last project. In addition to pursuing a new direction for the series, for the series, series producer Ko Kojima expressed an interest in making a Xenoblade Chronicles Three and Xenoblade Chronicles Cross Two. So <laughs> essentially, who knows?
2: Who knows?
0: Like it could be Chronicles Three, or it could be Xenoblank. Yeah. The new thing.
2: I'd play it, whatever it is.
0: I'm sure you would, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that is a uh, that's Zenoblade Chronicles mm-hmm.
2: and Future Connected
0: and Future Connected, a fantastic product. Future Connected,
2: both of them are fantastic products. <laughs> I'm so glad it's finally pretty. Like it yeah. was so nice to see it like the way that it should have been seen. <laughs> oh, I I got a little bit weepy like the first time that I uh, got onto. Uh, honest leg and like Everything, the music started up And you see it, you're like, oh But then, Satral Marsh is my favorite place It will always be my favorite place I full on was crying When I got there It was beautiful, beautiful This is everything I wanted Anyway, I'm done Now you got it I love it I only put 104 hours into both versions (laughs)
0: only
2: i'm just saying like with 140 being my normal like these the improvements for this with the like the way that they do quest tracking everything fantastic makes this so much better um i was able to knock out a lot of time so i had 94 hours into the main line and then i had like 10 hours roughly into future connected mm-hmm. um which we didn't even mention the upgrades, but, like, there are a lot of upgrades that makes this a much, much more pleasant experience.
0: And a lot of, the, like, quality of life stuff that really helps, like, streamline the, the experience as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, which, if anyone's played Xenoblade uh, Chronicles, the original version, or the 3DS version, uh, there is a, like, black bean that is in the Bionis interior that used to have the worst drop rate of all time. Um, and they have upped that drop right. I got it very quickly. Nice. Yay.
0: Well, there you go. That's Xenoblade Chronicles. In a nutshell.
2: Yay. What a good game.
0: And that's going to wrap this episode up. Uh-huh. So if you'd like more from us, go to com or cool so where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts like Seasonally Checkup and Seasonal... Nope. That's this podcast. Jared now I watch. It's the first time <laughs> I've done it on this podcast, I think you also find columns and reviews on the site as well. If you'd like more from Anladium, go to AnLadium.com. She's got columns and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Twitter.com slash checkup, And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash S-A-C-O-V-A. Buy us a slice of pizza. Get access to unedited versions of this podcast and bonus episodes as well. Next mm-hmm. week, we will talk about... No, oh, something. I don't know.
2: Get a hot cup of